Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, congratulations. You're about to arrive to the right place. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome to the Ellen and Aaron's Force for Podcast. Are you ready for it? Now, here is... And good evening, everybody. It is the Out and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Podcast presented by Chef G's Barbecue Sauce. So delicious and addicting, you might need a support group. Tonight is uh, May 20th, 2022, and tonight we're going to have a little bit of a different format on our program as it is open mic night, a lot of sports stuff to get to, so we feel like it may be better for everyone who is listening in. Take a few moments out of your evening to give us a call here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast, and we'll bring you on the air. Um, so if you're listening in right now and you'd like to join us, our number is 516-418-5572. Again, that is 516-418-5572. And without further ado, Alan is on the line with us here, of course, this evening as uh, we have yet another great program planned out here for everyone this evening. Alan, how are you tonight? I'm doing fantastic, doing great. Glad to be here on another Friday evening. Definitely going to have a great show for you guys tonight. And like you said, so it's going to be a different format tonight. And for those who are Top Gun fans, today Top Gun releases. So, you know, definitely (laughs) we'll play a little Top Gun music for you. (laughs) There we go. That's a classic right there for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so it's out today. But, yeah, it's going to be a great Friday night show. Glad to be here. And um, lo and behold, we have a caller on the line already. Let's bring him on. Hey, hey how you doing? Evening, fellas. How you good doing? Good evening, Lou. How are you? <laughs> All right. That's good to hear. I was going to say, what's going to say better results for this Ranger game right now because there's nothing going on much. Yeah. Let me go ahead and and update people. What's the score in the game now? There is no score. Okay. No score. So nothing going on yet. Okay. Zero zero. Right. Plenty of chances, right. of course, but um, they've been plenty of chances, but they haven't been able to capitalize on it. Yeah, I'm, I'm well, definitely uh, hoping. Go ahead. I was going to say, what's, what's new with you, Lou? Uh, what's, going, what's happened this past week uh, on your end of things? Well, Yankees and Mets are still on top, but the Mets are getting – they're starting to get hit with injuries now. So uh, this could be a – may maybe a factor later on. Uh, with DeGrom, you know, uncertain yeah. on his return. This is kind of last year over again, but maybe a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. DeGrom uh, has been out since uh, April 1st, um, and then – Scherzer came out, I think it was Wednesday night, and he had the the uh, tweak in his, uh, I think it was his left side. And last I heard, six to eight weeks uh, minimum before he's able to come back. Uh, this is just, a, it's, a, it's astounding to some degree. I mean, the, the talent they have, they have the highest level in baseball, and yet nothing's happened yet where they're out of first place. But, you know, it's kind of crazy to think how, Maybe they're investing in the wrong players or, you know, what, what the case might be. And I, 
for DeGrom, the interesting thing about him, he's, when he's healthy, he is probably one of the best arms in the sport. Um, yes. And likely probably playing his last year with the Mets as well. I don't think Mets fans would be too happy about that. Well, a lot of the, the talk has been he's going to opt out. Um, I think he's in a little bit of a different situation on there, and they've yeah. maintained a, a solid play uh, to this point. This looks like a three-team race in the, the AL East uh, here in the first month or so of the season. Yeah. No, I agree. The Yankees are, are definitely clicking. They, what I love about what they're doing is they're winning the close games, and that's the key right there. They went into the 2-1 ball games, 3-2. When you have a team that just squeaks it out and win those close ball games down the stretch, those pay huge dividends in the standings. And so far, so good for the Yankees, and so far, it's definitely so good for the Mets. So for those who don't know, the, the Yankees have a five-game lead over the Rays, who's in second place, and the Mets mm-hmm. have a seven-game lead over the Phillies, who's in second place. So they're both off the hot starts for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so we haven't, seen this, we haven't seen this in a while with both teams in first. You're right. You're absolutely right, Lou. We haven't seen that for a while, and I hope it stays that way. I mean, you know, that's that's very impressive, the start that they have. I mean, last week when we talked about it, the, the lead, at least for the Mets, got bigger. It's seven-game lead now. Yeah. So, Aaron, I got a question for you. How much do you, do you attribute that to Buck Showalter? How much do you attribute it to the players? I think it's about 50-50. I mean, this isn't much of a different team than it was a year ago with the you know, Scherzer being there. Um, you know, tale of two halves, really, for the Mets, really tale of, of three different parts a year ago. They got off to a hot start. They were in pretty good shape the first uh, probably two months of the season. You got into June, they were still pretty hot, and it was when you got into July that everything is like a train. The wheels came off of it. So, um, you know, there's not a whole lot that Buck Walter can do with injuries. That's just part of the game. Um, you have to manage through those things. And so now it takes those decisions that he's going to make as a manager in the dugout, and it puts a little bit more emphasis on those things. So before, when you have more depth, whether it's in your pitching staff or your lineup, you can make – decisions without having to second guess yourself now you're 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 two starters down from what you were potentially going to be starting the season with and i'll be real honest with you i think every all 30 teams are dealing with this part of things right now the fact that we had the lockout and we didn't have any league sanctioned um team activities early on in the year like we normally would and spring training was so abbreviated you know pitchers aren't stretched out like they normally would be they're about a month behind, I think, in a lot of this stuff. So I think the hitters are in the same, the same boat. Um, offense is actually down across Major League Baseball right now for the most part. And so I think, you know, normally early, mid-May, you know, you're a month or so into the season at that point, and you're starting to see at that time guys really start to, to catch fire. I think we're just now getting yeah. to that point now. It might be another couple of weeks. But um, it's going to be interesting to see because the fact of the matter is Normally, it's, you know, the season's just kind of going down the road. Now you're having to really think about these things. Think about how, you know, how, how long are we going to have a guy go into a game? You know, is my starter going to go 80 pitches? Is he going to go six innings? 
Are we going to limit to 100 pitches? So those are all those things that you have to think about. Right. And, you know, getting your arm stretched, that's the biggest thing about pitchers, whether it's a reliever or a starter. You're normally, you know, pitchers and catchers normally report mid-February, sometimes a little earlier than that. So uh, when you're four or five weeks behind, it puts everybody behind the eight ball. And I would say that, you know, good division, both the AL East and the NL East, I think it's still going to come down to the teams that have the best depth. And, you know, I, I think you can count a couple teams out pretty much. Uh, I think Baltimore um, – they got a lot of young talent, but they're not going to be anywhere in in the race or in the picture. Same thing with Washington in the uh, NL side. They're they're um, yeah kind of in that same boat. They're kind of in a rebuild mode, I would say. But but you know to answer your question again, there, Alan, uh, I think Buck makes a big difference. He, he's we talked about this last he week. He, he's you know he is uh, fifth team he's managed. He's been managing for close to thirty years, twenty five years, something like that. So. And he's had success everywhere he's gone. And I think the big thing he does make a difference in, maybe not necessarily his managerial decisions as much as it is his managing of personalities and, you know, trying to keep guys uh, loose and keep them um, energetic through a 162-game schedule. That's a long time to have to do that. You know, six months of the season, six months of the uh, of the calendar year is the regular season. And, Three months of that, if you calculate it up, is you know, games on the road. And you have to go to hotels and catch flights and buses from the hotel to the stadium. And so there's a lot of that stuff you have to deal with. And I, I think he's managing that very well, kind of like Joe Torre did uh, back in uh, 96 uh, with the Yankees. Yes. Yeah, great point. What are your thoughts on that, Lou? Yeah, I mean, Showalter has made a difference, you know, for the Mets this year. And I, I kind of thought it was going to happen. You know, and despite the injuries, you know, they're they're holding their own right now. But, you know, as the season progresses, I mean, that could come back to hurt them later. The only thing that saved the Yankees, you know, that year with the only injuries is a good farm system. And that's how they were managed to, you know, pull away with that. So, but this is a different, this is a different team here. But, you know, like, like you guys said, you know, they're, you, you contributed to half of Showalter and half of the team itself. So uh, yeah. I think they're both making strides here, which um, I think a lot of people were saying oh, the Mets were going to do better this year anyway. So uh, I guess this shouldn't come as too surprising. I knew when Showalter was coming, that could be that was going to be a turning point for the Mets, and so far it has lived up to it, though. Yeah, that's some great points there, and I do have some breaking news here. Let me just... There is a score in the Rangers game. Yep. We have yep. The Rangers are down now one to nothing in game yeah. number two. So what are your thoughts, Lou, if about this game and the Rangers, how big of a game is this for the Rangers to win? It is a, a factor because you'll be down two to nothing if you lose here. However, you are going home for games three and four and the Rangers I think, you know, are much better at home than they are on the road. So while it looks bleak right now, even if they do lose, I still think they have a chance to come back and, uh, you know, make this interesting series. You know, we're not out of it yet. Right. And the game is not over yet. You know, you know, to the silver lining was in game number two, the bolts were down. Oh, one. And they came back and won the game, I believe four to one. 
So it's not over yet. Yeah. This game is not over. They're just updating you in the score. But, yeah, to your point, you know, if they do – they don't win, they go back home. But you kind of – it would be great if they could steal a win in Carolina. Right. Yeah, so. But they can still make a, you know, a 2-2 series if they win both games at home. That's true. That's absolutely right. I'm I'm really – and for the people who don't know, the, bolt, the Bolts are up 2-0, and they're coming home to play this Sunday. I'm really hoping that they, they do their business and, and win that series. What are your thoughts on the series so far for the, the Bolts? Bolts? The Lightning, yep. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, you're not the you're not uh, the two time defending chance for nothing. I really thought they were gonna have a tougher series here, but so far, uh, they've really held their in the bargain. And uh, one of my co-hosts, you know, is a big Lightning fan, and he's thrilled about it. So, uh, what well, looked like it was going to be, you know, out of it in the first round, they came back and won it, and now they're doing uh, doing their job here. So. Uh, let me strike maybe three times. Yeah, that's right. We need to do that. You know, Bolt Nation, that's what they say. But, yeah, it's a lot of great things. Bolt Nation. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing big things, so that's <laughs> awesome. But, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so it's it's still the game is not over. The Rangers are need to get, go ahead and tie that score. What are your thoughts on it, Aaron? Do you think they have a good shot, both the Rangers and the and the Lightning? I'm not sure about the, the Rangers at this point, but I'll say Tampa Bay, and I said this last week, I, I really felt like if they could get past Toronto, and they played really solid defense in that game, game seven last Saturday night. Um, just a, a terrific game, probably one of the best games I've seen in a while out of Tampa, even with their two consecutive uh, Stanley Cup championships. Um I really felt like if they could get past Toronto last week, that that was that was probably going to be their biggest challenge. Now, obviously, we're only in the second round at this point, but I feel like maybe they've already played their hardest or toughest series. I think this is going to be a, a good good run for them, and I, I, I definitely believe they're favored at this point to win their third in a row. Awesome. That's some positive things to say. That would be fantastic. Man, it's, it's unbelievable how Tampa has become such a big uh, sports mecca here. Went from nothing to all of a sudden, yeah. they're all, we're in the mix all the time. I feel like we're in yeah, New York or Boston. I feel like we're in New York or Boston. Yeah, it's amazing yeah, how, how, how Tampa has become such a – I mean, obviously the Rays have been – what the Rays have been for the last 15 years uh, or so. And then you have the Buccaneers, obviously, with a great team. Brady comes in, wins the Super Bowl his first year. And then, of course, Tampa, uh, the Lightning have, have been, you know, pretty solid. And really, for the Lightning, you can go back a little further than just the last couple of years. They were in the Stanley Cup, I think, in, what was it, 2015 or 16. I came up a little bit short. So um, they've been kind of building towards this. And now they have, you know, potential dynasty on their hands. Yeah, that'd be great, man. Whew. Yeah. That'd be fantastic. See, a dynasty, we haven't seen one of those in a while, especially now in, in most sports right. because of free agency. Yeah, you just don't see it too often. I think that's a good question for both you, Lou, and also Aaron. When when has a team won three in a row? 
The Cowboys? Hockey not since nope. Yeah. No, no, uh, no team has ever won three Super Bowls in a row. He's had a couple of close calls. Uh, Cowboys won three out of four in the nineties. Um, yeah. We had the Patriots. I think won three out of four in the early two thousand. Yankees. Yankees. The Yankees. Yeah, last uh, the last franchise um, that won three in a row was was the Yankees. They won uh, ninety eight through two thousand. And I want to say the Lakers um, in the late nineties did it too. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it just goes to show you how difficult it is. It's not easy to win a dynasty. The Lakers did it, you're right. The Lakers with Kobe, the late great Kobe Bryant. May he rest in peace. But yeah, Shaq and Kobe got had three. Yeah, it's it's not easy. It's it's very difficult. Pieces move, people want more money, want to change and it's something to be proud of. I'm I'm really hoping that the the Lightning could do it. But it's still, you know, definitely you've got to stay positive. It's still a long way to go. So, yeah, Lou, what do you got cooking for your show tomorrow? Well, of course, we'll discuss the playoffs on both NHL and NBA. Uh, the previous is tomorrow, so get your thoughts on that. Um, maybe a little bit of um, French Open, which be, uh, begins on um, Monday as well. Uh, we'll also cover part of the PGA uh, Championship is going on right now. The third round is tomorrow. Woods, well, he started out great, but he's, he's starting to slip off a bit now. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about that in a little bit, too. I will definitely give you my thoughts on that. Yeah. That's been a big story. But, yeah, so you got the PGA. And also you're going to talk about the Rangers. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Well, I think that's about – Enough we can carry for uh, one show, but it should be uh, pretty interesting. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely going to be a great show. And give them the number. I'll I'll repeat it, too. Sure. 512-543-4662. 512-543-4662 between 5 and 7. And remember, it is a live show, so that means uh, everybody is uh, watching us. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, you know, yeah. So uh, <laughs> definitely be on your best behavior. No profanity. And right. <laughs> That's Lou, the Enhanced Sports Show between five and seven Eastern Standard Time Zone tomorrow. Make sure you support them tomorrow. Five one two five four three four six six two, and it's five one two five four three four six six two. Make sure you support Lou, and definitely want to give you another update. The it's the end of the second. It's still one nothing. Carolina Hurricanes ahead, going to the third period. Yeah. yeah, definitely. A, it's going to be a great show you're going to have tomorrow, and we're going to try to call in, and I'm going to definitely hope that you get a lot of callers too. I hope so. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a great show. Make sure you guys call in and support Lou. 512-543-4662. 512-543-4662. 5 to 7, Eastern Standard Time Zone tomorrow. That's right. Okay. All right. So All right, enjoy guys, the rest thanks. of the game. You're welcome. You have well, a great weekend. Thank you for weekend. calling in, Lou. Thank you for calling in. We appreciate you. 
All right, it's our great friend Lou. Really appreciate him. He's always a pleasure. Tremendously appreciate Lou. But he brought up a great point about the PGA Championship and Tiger. I'm glad he did because I did have that on my mind to talk about that tonight. You know, I did I did follow the PGA Championship and first thing that happened when he was walking up to the first tee to start on Thursday, he told the cameraman to back up a bit to give him some space. And he said it he said it politely as he could. The person didn't listen the first time and kind of still kept his ground and kept walking and you know I kind of had mixed feelings about that. Tiger's not the only one to tell people to back up when they start a tournament. I kind of had mixed feelings about that because, look, you're the star of the show. The camera's going to be around you. You're used to having the camera around you. I know that you had a break from it for a while, but this is nothing new. And, you know, I I think Tiger's got to remember, you got to be appreciative that the fact that you are still, you're playing in a PGA tournament a year ago, you were on a hospital bed. So yeah. you got to keep it in perspective that, okay, the guy, the cameraman has to do his job. You're going to get a lot of footage because you're Tiger Woods. That is a blessing in a lot of ways. There's a lot of great players in these championships that they could be focusing on, but they're focusing on you. I had mixed feelings about that. Like, okay, yes, the cameraman, when he did say that, the cameraman should have backed up a couple steps and just – you know, gave him a little bit of more room. But at the same token, it's like, hey, man, don't worry about that. Just play your game. Everything's going to take care of itself. Having said that, he started off the first hole with a birdie. That is fantastic to start. And he did really well to begin this tournament. But what ended up happening is he, I don't feel as if he's in shape, meaning he's not – when he, start, when he starts getting into sixth, seventh, eighth hole, you can see him sweating profusely. You see him limping. You can see that the body starts to kind of like catch up to him a bit, and you start to see him labor a bit. What they did say this week was he needs a new strategy because he doesn't drive the ball as far as a Rory McIlroy, a JT. A lot of the bigger names, they drive the ball maybe 30 to 50 yards further than he does. So they're saying he needs a new strategy. His old, you know, power but safe strategy, conservative strategy, isn't going to work. I I disagree with that. I think his strategy is fine. But at the same token, the thing about it is you can have a great strategy, but if your body or if you you cannot execute that strategy or your plan, it is what it is. Having said that, though, one thing I would say that he might want to practice a little bit more on is his approach shot. He's probably used to hitting it 80, 90 yards because he had such a great drive. He doesn't have that as much now. He might want to practice hitting approach shot from like 130 yards to 160 yard distance. But I do think he can win. He made the cut. A lot of people was dissing him, saying that they didn't think he was going to make the cut. They were kind of like kind of down on him, and he made the cut. But uh, he, he, he still has a long way to go to win his, this tournament. He could still probably finish in the top 30, but to win the tournament, I, it, might be, it might be a little tough for him. But I, I think, you know what, Tiger's doing his thing. Glad to see him out there. People got to keep his, in mind, this is only like, what, the second or third time he's competed since he had came off the injury. So they need to give him a break. 
it is. Uh, I mean, this is not Tiger Woods of 20 years ago where he was in every tournament. And, you know, really at this point, and this point has been made before on the show, you know, he can't, he can't at this point, even without the injury from the uh, car accident a year or so ago, you know, getting up, you know, higher in age, obviously he's not going to be able to play in every tournament if he wants to have that chance to, to catch the all-time record for major wins. So he has to be strategic in what, you know, tournaments he does play in. Now he's not going to just play in the major or in the major tournaments, the four of them, he's going to play in some others as well, but he's got to pick and choose, you know, which ones are going to be the best for him, you know, going forward. So I, I would say he's going to probably essentially cut his schedule in half or maybe even uh, down to just a third of what it was before. And that's going to be what's going to allow him to prolong his career for the most part. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And that's the unique thing is I said that prior to the act that I felt like Tiger should cut down his, tournaments because you're spreading yourself too thin you're you're getting up there in age you know not just a leg injury you had the back multiple back surgeries you did even have knee surgery so these injuries and the age start to creep up i felt even before the accident he needed to cut down his tournaments i like what he's doing now he's being selective in his tournaments he's he's playing you know in the major tournaments but he's playing here and there he's not playing at all he's being selective and that's what he should be doing. He should be doing, you know, championship playing maintenance. He shouldn't be playing in every single tournament. But I think he's going to be fine. I think he has to work himself back into shape. Like what I mean by that is walking the course, being out there in that hot heat. You know, he hasn't done that for some time. And I think he'll get back in shape because, you know, he was sweating pretty bad. But I think Tiger's going to be just fine, and yeah, he's not going to he's not going to be the top five in drives like he was before. When people who don't know, he used to be the top five, used to come to drive. He's no longer in that. His iron play is is great, and that's what he has to use to beat a lot of these players. He needs to hit the ball in the fairway. It may not be as long as some of the other guys, but even though you're further back, you need to be to hit that ball on the green, and you get your birdies. And I get to give him props to start a tournament with a birdie. That's very impressive. And I don't care who you are. Start any golf tournament with a birdie, that's fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, uh, birdie, I mean, birdies are what you're aiming for on every hole if you can. But to start off with one after you haven't played only one other tournament in the last year, that's certainly impressive and a good way to start off. Yeah, and uh, I think he's going to get it. You know, um, JT had a big day today. Rory started off hot, but he did um, he didn't play as well today as he did yesterday. And I think it's going to be a great championship. This is this is going to be very competitive, and it's going to be interesting to see how it works out. Who wins? I didn't want to say um, there was an, an injury to. And I did want to definitely say that I wanted to give my uh, – let me go ahead and pull this up here. But there was an injury report today that one of the sideline reporters got hurt. And then also another thing is this um, with Tiger. I don't know what it is, but for some reason now that he's back, you're getting people that are being kind of mean, like, okay, 
he gets a lot of attention because he is Tiger Woods. Like, it is what it is. They're going to give him more attention than some of the guys that you're used to seeing get most attention. John Rahm, even Roy McIlroy, JT, those guys got more attention when Tiger was not in tournaments. So, you know, Tiger is going to be Tiger. Tiger is it's not his fault that he's going to get all this attention. You know, and then what ends up happening is it's just one of those things that people just want to just pick on the guy, I think, sometimes to make it. But people need to back off. I just think um, they just need to give Tiger a break, and it is what it is. The other guys need to compete to win a tournament, too. And I did want to say our prayers and for Sage Steele. She got hit in the face by a John Rahm's tee shot at the PGA Tournament. Oh wow! And yeah, it's um, it's really unfortunate. She was covered in blood. I, I didn't see. I didn't. I saw like a a side picture, but to be hit in the face with a with a golf shot, an Eric golf shot, a tee shot, also, I definitely I hope a speedy recovery for for Sage Steele. That's that's really unfortunate. You know, I definitely hope a. Uh, People are mindful of that. They, people started jumping on her for her political stances or what have you. Hey, this woman got hurt. Like, like to have some compassion for the fact that she got hit by a golf ball by John Brown, of all people, who's usually very accurate. But I feel bad that she got hurt. I definitely wish uh, prayers that she recovers. And, and they did say there was quite a bit of blood. So that's really unfortunate. Yeah, definitely prayers for a speedy recovery. Um, after that happened there, that was earlier today, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was. It was early today, you know, and, and um, that's one of the things I wanted to let a lot of people know about golf, where people are homeowners that are on the golf course, and they get really upset. Let's say if you hit a ball and it hits their house or what have you. This is how golf works. You're swinging club anywhere from 70 miles an hour up to 160 or 70, 80 miles an hour, depending on who you are. Bad shots happen in golf. Even if you're a pro, pros hit bad shots. They are people meaningful to hit somebody or hit your house, but that's part of golf. When you buy a house on a golf course, there is a word of, Buyer beware, meaning a ball can land in your in your your living room, a ball can land on your roof, ball can land in your you know hit one of your cars. Unfortunately, this is how golf works. It's not no one means to hit bad shots. Nobody wants to hit bad shots, but bad shots are part of golf. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's just like a foul ball at a baseball game. You know, I mean it's it's part of the risk. Uh, you, you go to a hockey game and have you know, have the puck go flying uh, up into the stands. So it's kind of the same type of thing. Um, and speaking of errant bad shots, you know, you and I played golf last week. And I think we saw a couple of those uh, took place during our, our uh, couple hours out there in the sun here in Lakeland. So uh, we both know what those uh, bad shots look like because we've both personally taken a few of them uh, in the last week or so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Bad shots happen. No one wants to hit a bad shot. You know, I've played golf 
few days ago, and and the ball hit the it hit the sidewalk, bounced up, and and landed in the uh, the pot right before the window. And I got lucky; it didn't hit the window. I said, "Oh, at least it didn't hit. A, I didn't break a window." I was that's what I said when the person gave me the ball. At least I didn't break a window, which I was glad because. You know, the ball hit the sidewalk, bounced up real high, and I got lucky it didn't hit it. It didn't hit a window. But bad shots, unfortunately, do happen in golf. It's unfortunate. I definitely hope Sage Steele recovers. But, man, that's um, that's unfortunate. And with, with Tiger, he just got to keep playing his game. You know, I just think that he probably would benefit. I know he's in a lot of pain, too. I just think that um, he still has a shot to win this tournament, and he's Tiger Woods. If he's in the mix and it gets late, I think – I feel like Tiger Woods is going to win something this year. I don't know if it will be this tournament, but I feel like he's going to win something this year. He's been playing, actually – when he's been on it, he's actually been playing outstanding golf. Yeah, he's still Tiger Woods. I mean, at the end of the day, um, he, he still has that magic about him. Um, I don't think he's as dominant as he was when he was younger. I think it's fair to say. It's, you know, guy who's in his 40s now versus when he was in his 20s, uh, you know, in the the deep prime of his career. But he still knows how to win, and there is still that factor. Now, you were bringing up a point there earlier about, people not liking him or or maybe, uh, you know, not liking that he's getting all the attention. If I'm one of the other contenders in this tournament specifically, the advantage of that, um, let Tiger Woods be the distraction that you need so that the media maybe leaves you alone a little bit and you can focus in on your game. Let let the media focus on Tiger and you focus on your game. To me, it seems like the perfect, uh, you know, the perfect, uh, distraction there in a positive way. I, that's a fantastic point. Exactly right. You know, let the cameraman follow him all day long while you focus on your shot. You don't have the cameraman on you all day. You do have more time to take your shot and breathe. You don't have that anxiety. And I think that's right. And then also you have Tiger there to kind of motivate you. So even more of a reason for you to look as a positive. If you're a competitor, you know, it's just, hey, you don't have a cameraman filming everything you're doing. So I agree with you a thousand percent. Use it as a positive. Okay, yeah, the cameras are following him. They're not following me. Let me go ahead and do my thing in, you know, in a peaceful mind frame. And I think you should use it for your advantage. And, hey, people need to stop with the, the taking shots with Tiger because of all the attention he's getting. It's not Tiger Woods' fault that the cameraman is following him every way he's doing. He's not telling that. He told the guy, give me some space to breathe. So it's obviously he's not telling the cameraman to follow him. Yeah, no, that's a very good point there too. Yeah, so I wish him luck, and we would love to have Tiger Woods on our show, see what he's he's going to – and also he's going to – be in some more tournaments, which is good. He's going to be in the major tournaments, so that's always encouraging to see him showing up to those big events and get a chance to see him while he's still playing. But also, yeah. I wanted to get yeah. your thoughts too on a on a couple things. 
we were talking about the the Mets earlier. Your Braves are eight games behind. How do you think they're doing so far? Um, I think like any team, they're shaking off the rust. Um, you know, if you go back uh, the last, I don't know how many years, you could probably go back 15, 20 years. Typically, the team who wins the World Series has a little bit of a uh, hangover from the previous year because what happens if you win is you go on all these different tours and you're on late-night talk shows and different things happen. Uh, it's not just the Braves. This has happened to the Cubs and the Red Sox and many, many other teams over the years. So I, I think it's a little bit of that. Um, you had some major changes to your roster. Uh, Freddie Freeman is now with the Dodgers. You brought in um, Matt Olson. You have uh, a few other, you know, fairly sizable changes to this team. Um, are they playing as good as I'd like them to? No, they're, they're winning right now. So they're they're heading in the right direction. Um, sometimes good teams get up to slow starts. It's happened before. And I'm not really concerned about it. I think that the thing thing about baseball is, you know, it's mid-August and you're playing kind of rough. That's when you need to be concerned when you're getting to the last, like, six, seven weeks of the season. You know, we're only uh, a month and a week or maybe six weeks into the season at this point. So it's still very, very early. I think we're only 42, 43 games in. So we're only at the one-quarter mark of the season at this point. So it, it is really kind of hard to have concerns. I think – you have to read between the lines when it comes to things you're concerned about. If it's inconsistencies in a specific area, that's when there's concerns that have to happen. But I think the, I think Atlanta's pitching staff, just having watched this team all season long, has been pretty spot on. It's the offense has been inconsistent. Some of that has to do with some injuries. When you guys are in the lineup, it's kind of hard to keep things consistent and keep it flowing. So I really think once their lineup starts to swing the bat better, you know, be more consistent and they figure out what lineup they're going to go with on a nightly basis, this team will get hot and they'll be right where they want to be. And the nice thing too, is they have some financial flexibility. So if they need to go out, you know, as we get into July, um, closer to the trade deadline, if they need to go out and pick up a piece or two or, you know, a bat here or a pitcher there, they have the ability to do that. They have financial freedom that uh, pardon me, allows them, you know, to be able to add instead of, you know, have to, work from within. So, you know, I'm not really concerned about it. Um, you know, it, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. You have, to, you have to look at the entire body of work. And if there's any year that has been a good example of that, last year was that. Because I'll tell you right now, I sat at two games in late July in Atlanta when the Braves were playing the Padres. And if you had told me then that they were going to end up winning the World Series, I would have loved to have heard it, but I would have laughed at you and said there's no way – on earth this is going to happen so it really comes down to how you play the entire year and they happen to be decent enough to get themselves to a position where they got hot at the right time so it really does matter uh, how you play at the end as well as it does at the beginning no you're absolutely right it's a great point that you know baseball as far as football and hockey and all a lot of these sports it's how you play down the down the stretch and who gets hot, and season just started. It's still early for everybody. You want to get off to a great start. It doesn't mean the season is over. And they're eight games back, but that there's still a lot of baseball to be played. So long way to go. And I'll give you, you know, an example on that, too. Uh, you know, again, 
obviously I've followed the game of baseball for a long, long time, but the Braves have been my team since I was 10 years old. I'll go back to 2004. Um, I actually went to a spring training game and here in Lakeland, back in those days, you could actually stand there and get autographs and get a lot of good potential close contact with players and coaches. And I remember that year, uh, this is probably, I don't know, mid-March, team gets off the bus, they're all walking in, Bobby Cox is the manager of the Braves, he comes off the, uh, off the bus, and I said, Bobby, you guys are going to win 95 games this year. And he said, no, we've been winning 100, I think we'll do pretty good. So I kinda, we kind of chuckled at it, and he, he walked off. Well, that year, was, it was a tough year. You get into June, mid to late June, and they were about a 500 team, and they went on a, a run in the second half of the season. And they ended up winning 96 games. So they won one more than I said they were going to win. And it just goes to show you that sometimes that first two, three months of the season is just kind of feeling things out and trying to figure out, you know, what corrections you need to make. And then once you figure out what little gaps you need to fill in and what areas you need to improve and you, you figure out how, how, how to get those things corrected, everything takes care of itself and it kind of is on autopilot at that point. Yeah, that's a great story. And, that's cool that you <laughs> you predicted that many wins. You were one off your prediction, and that's what I love, the love about the Braves is you know it may have been different now, but they used to have a very fan friendly you know uh, situation with the fans. Yeah, it's gotten a little less like that in a lot of the, the parks now. I think um, you know a lot of these new parks. You know, you you have, and I've been to a few of the newer ones here. You have uh, you know the setup where it is it's friendly but as far as the fan player interaction I don't want to say it discourages it necessarily but it's not as uh, cozy to some degree like when I was a kid and I'll go back you know back into the 80s the two best places around here were Plant City the Reds played there I mean you were a chain link fence away from the players Um, I'm talking like Pete Rose and and uh, you know Chris Sabo and Eric Davis and uh, some of the other big stars of those late 80s, early 90s teams. And then the other ballpark that was really, really neat because there was one area where there was no fence. I mean, you were literally standing right next to players. Uh, Kansas City Royals used to play over at uh, what used to be Boardwalk and Baseball. It was one of the best theme parks around here. Had a ballpark right in the middle of it all. And the fan interaction and the player interaction was probably unmatched there than anywhere else that I've ever been even with some of these new parks you've run into today. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, one story I I did want to share for that is when they had the Winter Haven, when the Cleveland Indians used to play at Channel Lakes Stadium in Winter Haven, it was like an old-school format. And, man, you had very great opportunities to get autographs from players because in order for them to get from, like, the workout area to the field, they had to walk right past you. Literally, mm-hmm. you know, and I got a, I got T.T. Sabathia's autograph, and it, it was just it was just really cool how you would have that much access to a player during spring training. I thought that was wild and, and really cool. Ironically, T.T. Sabathia was the one that complained a lot, like they need to update this stadium. I don't know if it was because he felt as if the fans had too much access or what, <laughs> but – he did say that it's old school, you know, uh, workout equipment, and they need to update it. Lo and behold, about a year or two later, they, the Cleveland Indians moved, and they no longer use that stadium anymore. 
But I love it when the fans have that that interaction with the baseball players. I think I I, I think it's it's a great thing. I do feel bad for the small percentage of let's just call for what it is jerks or obnoxious people who take advantage of that and make it more of a burden on the players by pestering them, bothering them, and doing stuff like that. An example of that would be congratulations to Mike Tyson. His charges he's not gonna he's not gonna basically have any criminal penalties for the incident that happened on a plane for a fan being overly obnoxious. So the bad thing about being so interactive is you're gonna get those one or two jerks. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I, I think that's the one thing that I would agree with is, you know, you, you don't get me wrong. I've run into uh, famous athletes over the years out in public or different places, and you do get starstruck. I mean, I know you've probably been in that same position before, but I always look at it this way, like, you know, that, that's a person too. They're no different than you and I. They just happen to have a, a name that is more known than yours and my name is. Obviously, we're trying to change that with, with our show, but. Um, you know, you have to, you have to respect that person and not treat them the way that the system wants to treat them in a sense, you know, obviously, you know, yeah, you're going to, you're going to ooh and on, you're going to say, Oh my goodness, there's so-and-so, you know, walking around or so-and-so is out to dinner with their family or something like that. And just like, I wouldn't want somebody to come bother me at my place of employment. I don't want to have somebody, you know, I don't want to go up and, and, and bother them if they, are willing to sign or willing to say hello or take a picture, that's great. But I think, uh, you know, the, the whole following thing goes a little too far in my mind. Yeah, you got to treat people with respect. You know, especially here in, in Florida, you have to keep your eyes open, too, when you go to the mall any public place because you never know who you're going to run into here in Florida. You can just be walking and doing your business, and lo and behold, a celebrity or an athlete can, can walk in. It's happened, it's happened to me, like Robinson Cano and Milky Cabrera was at the mall one day, and I ran into them, and I was looking to run into them, and it just, I was like, I saw Milky Cabrera first, and I was like, I know, I know that guy from someplace. At first, I, I, his face, his face recognized, it, it, I recognized his face, but I just couldn't remember where I saw him, and then I was like, oh, snap, that's Milky Cabrera, like, he didn't see me looking at him, but I said, oh, snap, that's Mickey Cabrera. And then about a minute or two later, here comes Robert Cano with a bunch of sneaker bags that he just probably bought up the whole store. So they both went shopping. <laughs> I, did that. I ran to the car and got a baseball and got Robinson Cano to sign a baseball for me. But that was really cool. But, yeah, you can just kind of ask people nicely, say please and, and – Give people respect, and after they take a picture or an autograph with you, you got to give them their space. You can't sit there and follow them around the whole store or what have you. He was shopping just like I was shopping, you know, getting something at the store. We just happened to be in the right place at the right time. But you got to treat people with respect, and you got to know that they have boundaries too. So I, I, I think people feel as if, just because someone's a celebrity, an open invitation that you can do whatever you want, treat them any way you want, and everything's cool, and they have to kind of like bow down to you. That's not the case. 
They're human beings like you and I are. You want to be treated with respect? They want to be treated with respect. Yeah, that's a great point there overall. Um, definitely got to remember they're, they're human beings, and they, they have a life to live just like you and I do. So um, very, very good point there. I want to also give a shout-out here tonight. Uh, earlier this week, and I'm trying to think of what day it was on, um, not really a big deal on which day it was, but our good buddy, Tyler Redmond, who we had on about a year ago, um, earned his degree, earned his college degree. So I want to congratulate him on uh, on accomplishing that goal. I know he is uh, heading in the right direction. He is wanting to be um, a sports director there in Georgia, and I think he's well on his way to being that. He's got a great show. We posted several of his videos over the last, I don't know, year or so. So I definitely want to give him a shout-out and congratulate him on a great accomplishment. Yeah, let me give him a round of applause. That's fantastic. You know, to go ahead and graduate, and you hear that a lot around this time of year, but it's nothing that um, – it's not easy to get your degree. It's a process, something that you got to be committed to and see it all, all the way through. So congratulations, Tyler Redmond. It's always great that we keep up with our former guests. That's a great point of giving a shout out. I did want to give a shout out to Amari Avery, who was also a guest on our show. And <laughs> she was one of the, you know, very young at the time, little girl, the short game. She started it with her dad. She's now a college student at USC. I follow her on Instagram and and we're friends on Facebook. But the reason why I wanted to bring her up, she's she's just killing the game. She's doing really great in our golf tournaments. She's either winning them or being one or two. And she's getting, you know, like bigger interviews with networks, the golf networks. And it's really cool that we interviewed her. And it's almost like at the time it was she was in a transitional phase from going to high school to college. And now she's getting, you know, she's kind of like blowing up. She's, she's getting interviews, getting, uh, doing great in tournaments. She's, Killing the game. So congratulations to Amari Avery for, for doing big things. Definitely congratulations to her as well. And one other um, mention here tonight, uh, this was kind of a surprise. Uh, I think I believe it was yesterday this news came out. Um, not sure how many of our listeners out there uh, follow the Florida Gators uh, sports program. Uh, Mick Hubert has been the voice of the Florida Gators uh, for 33 years, and he announced, uh, I believe it was yesterday, Thursday, that after the baseball uh, series with the South Carolina Gamecocks this weekend, he is actually going to immediately retire uh, after spending uh, 33 years in the program uh, since 1989, I believe, is when he started. Um, He is uh, 68 years old. He's a great voice. Uh, Always love listening to him as a lifelong Gator fan, <clears throat> and he's had some great opportunities over the years. Uh, Florida, uh, University of Florida sports uh, or athletics program has actually more uh, overall national championships than any other uh, university in the entire country, um, the biggest of which were the 96, uh, 2006, and 2008 football national championships, which he, of course, was a part of all three of those. Um, the Florida Gator 2016, I believe it was, uh, national champion baseball program. And then you had the back-to-back uh, 2006 and 2007 uh, basketball programs. Um, 
as well. And of course, many things in between. Those are just the major, major uh, championships. So uh, 33 years in one place. That's a long time. Um, did a great job. You were the voice of a program for such a long time. I'm going to miss hearing him. And I know um, the big rivalry of uh, Florida is Florida State. And of course, uh, Gene Deckerhoff announced he's retiring as well from uh, from Florida State, and he's also the voice of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and has been for quite a long time, and he's going to be retiring from Tampa uh, as well. I believe he's got another one or two years left on his uh, contract, so that's another voice here in Central Florida that we're going to miss uh, tremendously once he uh, also steps away. Yeah, definitely they put in the work. They put in the, definitely the time and, you know, w- with them, it, you know, what's just really cool is that they're walking out on their terms. So definitely, you know, being in, <laughs> being the voice of the Florida Gators for so many years, that's fantastic. I mean, what are some of your great memories of Mick Hubert? Well, um, his catchphrase, uh, whether it was basketball, baseball, football, or what have you, those are the main sports he called. Uh, is a very emphatic, oh, my, oh, my. Um, so many great memories over the years of, of games that he has called. Um, right off the top of my head, Florida hasn't had a great successful football program to the national championship level in, you know, 15 or so years now or 13 years um, at this point. But you have some great games that have been played since then, and Probably the most recent one would have been Florida and Tennessee in 2017. Um, the game was tied with, I want to say, maybe like nine seconds left and in Florida. So it was in the swamp. And Florida has won, by the way, in this series every game except for one time since 2005. So Florida has dominated that series. It's a good rivalry there. And anyways, uh, Florida had the ball at their own 35. And with nine seconds left, they snapped the ball, shotgun. Uh, to Felipe Franks, who was the quarterback, and I believe it was Tyree Cleveland who was in the in the end zone. He threw a hail mary, caught the ball in the end zone with no time left on the clock. Oh my! You hear an oh my over and over and over again from Mick Hubert, um, and then he says something to the effect of, "This place is an insane asylum again." Uh, just a great moment. Um, there's a lot of those over the years, um, even from the early days with Steve Spurrier being at Florida. Um, he, he's he's a part of Florida, you know, just as much as. Steve Spurrier and Danny Warfel and Tim Tebow and um, Emmett Smith are part of Florida. Mick Hubert is a part of Florida too. And congratulations to him on, like you said, being able to go out on your own terms and, you know, enjoy your retirement uh, here in Florida. You're going to have, um, you've got big shoes to fill obviously there, whoever takes over that position. But, um, you know, that's one thing I love about sports too, is you and I are sitting here talking about it right now. And there are a lot of great voices, um, in the sports world that we still have. We have a lot that we've lost over the years, like, you know, John Madden, who passed away back around Christmas time. Um, Some great guys that are in the game now, you know, would include, maybe this is controversial, but Joe Buck and um, guys uh, like uh, Al Michaels and, you know, the the guys who have been calling games for, you know, the better part of four decades. So those are always interesting people to talk about. And I'd love to invite – any of them to come on the show at some time. It'd be really great to have them on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's the great thing about talking about sports here on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show is that we love to interview people, not just celebrities, which we've had out here, 
we love to interview people that most people don't really know about and they should know about. Tyler Redman and Amari Avery are some of the people that, you know, before she got on the hot streak that people probably kind of looked, didn't look in their direction for an interview because they're looking for maybe a bigger name. We love interviewing people that most people don't know about. I definitely wanted to, to also give a shout out to Eric Jenkins and the USF track and field team. You know, Eric Jenkins, the head coach of the track and field team, did an interview with us. And then lo and behold, a week or two later, they end up having a huge win, the USF track and field team. Great things also happen to people who do participate here on the Allen and Aaron Sports, a great show. Seems like good favor comes to them. <laughs> so great, <Yeah>. great job. <laughs> great shout out to USF track and field team and Eric Jenkins and the entire team. And I ended up liking that that post. I just saw it. I was like, "Wow, that's interesting." We I interviewed them this night, even like two two weeks ago, and then they ended up having a huge win. So that's one of the great things about being part of Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show is that you keep up with the guests and you know you promote them. You know, Daryl Strawberry had a post that he has a new championship bobblehead coming out that I did like too. That looks, um, that looks really, really cool by FOCO. It's actually sold out right now. And I did tell him that, Hey, if you get, if you are able to get one, let me know. I'll definitely buy one. So congratulations, Daryl Strawberry with the new bobblehead too. You can go to FOCO, F-O-C-O, website and check it out and see it yourself it is sold out i definitely would like to get one when it is available again so i'll keep my eye on that but yeah you know definitely and you know daryl is one of the people that we did have on our show celebrity but we we love interviews we'll, we'll interview somebody you don't have to be a celebrity to be on the alan Aaron sports Grand show i got a compliment uh almost a week ago and i was really flattered he goes because of the fact that we went ahead and we interviewed, you know, Chucky, we interviewed Chucky Wright, and mm-hmm. the person that basically told me, I think it's really cool that you guys interview people that most people wouldn't think about, you know, with, and they were referring to us interviewing Chucky Wright. And I was like, yeah, that's the great thing about our show, that we will do an interview with somebody that most people wouldn't think about. Or and it's somebody that you really should think about. So thank you to Chucky Wright for doing an interview, and he's already got noticed by one of our listeners. That's perfect. That was your idea too. Yeah, you know, and I, I, you had asked me off air um, how I came about. Um, the idea to have him on i've been watching his videos probably since the beginning of the year maybe around around the end of last year somewhere in there i just kind of stumbled across him on uh youtube at one point and um i don't know two weeks or so ago i was like you know what i i wonder maybe i can get in contact with him and honestly that's that's how i've been able to to do this here we've had uh, numerous guests on our show simply because we found a way to get in contact with them. Um, I did that with uh, Chip Carey. In fact, that whole entire uh, process, uh, a little over a year ago, it was uh, February of last year, so 15 months ago, 
that was all put together in about 10, 15 minutes. I, I messaged him. Um, I won't say where, but I, I, I got his contact information and I messaged him and he said, yeah, absolutely. I, I would love to be a part of your program. I'd love to help you out. And um, we got that all scheduled and set up in a, a pretty quick period of time. And I uh, was able to see him uh, here back in February of this year uh, down at Northport and uh, thank him in person for having come on our show. So it was a really nice thing to to do that. So, you know, we don't want to just have you on the show as a, as a guest. We'd like to meet you sometime too. So hopefully we can uh, complete that with some of our guests as well. And I'd love to, love to at some point go to one of Daryl Strawberry's, um, um, I know the program that he does uh, through all of the churches as, as he tours around the country. I'd love to be able to meet him at some point uh, down the line. So. Yeah, I would too. He actually was here in Tampa and, he does so many – that's one thing about Daryl. He does so many events that sometimes it's hard for you to keep up, which is a blessing for him. He's all over the place. But, yeah, when I get advanced notice of him being in, in the area, I would love to go to one of the local churches and run into him there and and thank him personally for, for coming on the show. I have his book. I would love for him to, to sign it. And, yeah, take a picture with, with Daryl. So we yeah so we we definitely don't just want to have you on the show we we want to build a relationship and a friendship and and that's that's a thing you know if we could be a blessing in the future to you that that would be great so it's 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 building a relationship is what we're looking at at doing here and speaking of Chip Kelly maybe it's time for us to get him back on the show again it's been a been a little minute yeah we'll have to probably wait till after the season's over of course. Uh... But yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he, he, I'm, I'm sure he would be, um, you know, happy to come back on and, and give us an update on where things are. Um, you know, obviously we'll have to talk to him after the World Series uh, of this past year occurred. And you know, I, I made mention to him, and I think I said this uh, back in February when I saw him uh, on the show right after that, that I told him this was going to be the year the Braves are going to win, and, and he kind of nodded and said, "Yeah, he, he did say that." So it was kind of a neat. Uh, have a neat moment there. Yeah, that's really cool. You got it right. Predictions hold true, and man, you know you got it. You got it right on the on the money. And uh, you know maybe we should bring uh, Lou Pinella on the on the the radio show. We've done a interview. I've done two interviews with him in person, but we should bring him on the show to invite him on too. And I know he would be more than willing to do that. I should reach out to Lou Pinella to to, to reach out with him and see when he's free. That would be great. Yeah, it'd be great to have him on for sure. And I know that um, we've got some big sports that's going on these next couple of days. Uh, we've got, you know, NBA playoffs going on. We've got NHL playoffs in full swing. Baseball's uh, almost a quarter of the way through the season at this point. And then next weekend, which is uh, Memorial Day weekend, you have uh, the greatest spectacle in racing. Always love to talk about this this time of year. It's the Indianapolis 500. That's going to be, just a huge, huge event. I'm excited for that one. I'll actually be, uh, during our show next week, uh, driving to Atlanta. I'm going to be heading up there for uh, for the weekend. And so when we reconvene in a week from now, uh, as I do the show, I'll be actually driving while we're having our discussion. So it's going to be an interesting time uh, here uh, as the show goes on next week. Yeah, that's always great, uh, you know, the talk on the road and, and that should be interesting, a lot of fun, and definitely, you know, any any thoughts on what you're going to do in Atlanta when you get there? I'm going to a game on uh, on Saturday. Um, 
and then it's just a quick trip. Unfortunately, not going to have a whole lot of time, but um, may take a, a trip to the College Football Hall of Fame if uh, time permits. Uh, that's downtown Atlanta, uh, kind of near uh, Centennial Olympic Park. If time doesn't permit, I may do that in the next time around. But I uh, just wanted to get away for a couple of days. Uh, nice, uh, nice opportunity to go up and um, spend some time up there with uh, with uh, my wife and my daughter. And I have some family that lives up there as well, so I'll probably spend a little uh, little bit of time with them, and then uh, Monday drive back. So it'll be a good uh, good time though, and get a chance to see the World Series trophy again. I know it's going to be up there as well. That sounds like a great trip, and. And speaking for somebody who's been to the College Hall of Fame, that's it, a great place. It's definitely something that you take a lot of pictures. There's a lot of artifacts there, a lot of memorabilia. And I think you're going to enjoy the College Hall of Fame. I think it's it's great. You'll see some familiar people. You'll, you'll see Derek Brooks on there. <laughs> you'll see Tim Tebow. And you'll see Tony Romo. You'll see his uh, locker. And you'll see other great people. You'll see Tony Dungy. So you'll see some familiar faces in there. It'll be a great experience for you. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Uh, hopefully time does permit and that can happen. Um, it's a lot of neat things. Everybody I've talked to who's been to it has spoken very, very highly of it. And, of course, there's a lot of stuff in that area to do uh, as well. So um, hopefully I'm able to go. And, and, of course, I'll post some pictures uh, either way, at least of, uh, of the ball game. Yeah, it's going to be great. Uh, definitely to check it out. And and definitely you'll see, um, you know, late, great Steve McNair. You know, many condolences go out to him. But you'll see a nice little, you know, they have a memorial for him there in, in there and his locker. So you'll get a chance to see that too. But definitely if you do go, take some pictures, let us see it. That will be great. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, what else do we have here tonight? Yeah, so I did want to give you guys a heads up. Next weekend is going to be the Javante Davis and also Raleigh Romero fight. I'll give you my prediction next weekend for that. And I did want to talk a little bit of boxing, nothing too big, but I did want to give kind of like a heads up to, to, to the boxing world that there was a request that we did have for us to cover a boxing venue by one of our fans. And I did want to let the people, you know, public know this, that here at the Allen and Aaron sports creator show, we will, I was more than willing to go out there and cover the event. I even asked for media passes to go ahead and cover the event. Unfortunately, we didn't hear a reply. I you know, sent a couple of them. But the reason why I bring this up is because I want to let people in the boxing world know that there's a lot of great opportunities that you can have in boxing if you do act a bit more professional and business-minded and not being so greedy. What I mean by that is, hey, when you get a, a media pass to somebody who works in the media, their function is to advertise and promote the event. It's unfair for them to have to pay for the admission and also go ahead and promote your event. You know, it's, if, if you pay full price for a ticket, you don't have to promote the event. You could eat the food there, drink everything, not post any picture if you don't want to, 
or you might post a picture or two on social media. It's your choice, but you're not obligated to do it. I wanted to let the boxing world know that sometimes in life you can't have your cake and eat it too. You can't be so greedy and narrow-minded that, hey, I want to have everything and want to get rich. you got to sometimes give some to see if you get something in return. That's my thoughts. And the, I basically did tell the person who did want us to cover the event that, hey, we put in a request. I put in a couple of requests. Nobody responded, so we won't be covering the event. And they responded, it's their loss. And I would have to agree, it is your loss because you had somebody who was really interested in knowing about it. One thing about the boxing world you also have to understand is that it's always better when somebody else promotes you rather than you promoting yourself. You understand? If, if I'm bragging on you, like I'm saying Tiger Woods is great and he's, one of, he's the GOAT, it's better for Tiger if I'm saying it rather than Tiger saying it himself that, hey, I'm the GOAT and I'm the best that ever lived. You see how arrogant how that turns off people. So don't be so greedy in life because sometimes when you're greedy, you don't allow opportunities to come and bless you. What are your thoughts on, on what I had to say about that? Oh, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, I, I don't think I could say it any better than that. That is absolutely 100% correct for sure. Yeah, and that's that's unfortunate because in life, when you are super greedy and you're just thinking about yourself, you miss on opportunities that are right at your feet. And I feel bad in a way because I would have loved to promote from the Alan Aaron Sports Recorder Show the event that was coming up, just like you know one of our people had mentioned it, but unfortunately, greedy eyes and greedy minds took took precedent over that. So, you know, hopefully things change in the future, but I did want to let the boxing world know that I find this scenario repeating itself quite a bit with a lot of boxing promoters, a lot of, not all, not all, there are some that are really, really cool, but some boxing promoters, I find that theme that they get too greedy, they want to have their cake and eat it too. You can't just think about getting rich all the time and that's all you think about. You have to give. And a lot of times you get in return a lot more and you get a lot more blessings. So think about that approach rather than the immediate, I want to get rich. I need to have it. You need to pay for a ticket full price and you need to promote it. Like who does that? It's not fair to our show to do that. <laughs> it's not fair to our show. It's not fair to me. It's not fair to Aaron. It's not fair to our show for us to pay full price and then go ahead and promote your event you know, like as if I, you know, to, for us to pay for a VIP ticket, it's not an issue. We don't have a problem paying our way, but it's not fair for us to continuously pay for our VIP tickets to promote your event. You know, when you buy a VIP ticket, hey, you can eat all the food there that you want and want to buy. You're not obligated to promote anything. You know, if anything, you, you're, hey, you get a great seat, you get a chance to eat, you know, buy your food or what have you. You're not obligated to take pictures. The, the interesting thing is when we go to events, I can tell you this. Very rarely do I actually even eat any food because I'm networking, working the event, making sure that you get satisfied as the venue. I very rarely do I even get a chance to eat any food or any drinks because I'm out there hustling and trying to make people know how great the event is. 
Yeah, no, you do it, and you do a great job with doing, doing all that too. Um, so yeah, I agree with you 100. percent No better way to say it than what you just said there. So <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted to to let our listening audience know, but we're gonna try to get you guys, you know, some behind the scenes of some other events. That's a great thing about now things are opening up, events are popping up. You got to keep your eyes open to see what's going on, and we definitely. Love those opportunities here at the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. We're still working on getting some more events, getting you guys involved, some more giveaways, as well as we're working on building more relationships through other partners and sponsors, as well as other venues. So big things are coming on the Allen and Aaron Sports Radio Show. We're also going to get, of course, more great interviews for you guys, too. Those things are going to be coming along really soon. I got a lot of things working and we're going to keep working hard for you at the Allen and Aaron Sports Talk Radio Show. Absolutely. Well, this has been another great, uh, great episode, great uh, content here tonight. Uh, thank you to uh, you, Alan, of course, for being a part of this program. Of course, we can't have Alan and Aaron without uh, Alan being a part of it. Uh, of course, our buddy Lou uh, for uh, always being a great uh, call-in guest. Uh, he always has some great insight and certainly um, Definitely want to promote his uh, his program as well, uh, the Enhanced Sports Show here on our program. And then, of course, uh, our great sponsor, uh, Chef G's Barbecue Sauce, which is uh, so delicious and addicting that you might need a support group. Uh, love that stuff. Um, it, it is absolutely terrific. And I wanted to say, uh, just so it is heard on the air, that I, I, my favorite is actually the Fusion. I'm not sure which yours is, Alan, but uh, the Fusion is actually my favorite of all uh, the sauces that he does, uh, does have. Yeah, I love the Fusion and the Heat Wave. I love those are two. They're, they're neck and neck. I love the, the – for different reasons, I love the Fusion on everyday food, and I love the Heat Wave on my chicken when I'm barbecuing the chicken. My, my daughter, my oldest daughter, she, she – Diana, she loves the honey mustard. Actually, that's her favorite. She loves the honey mustard. She asks for it all the time. So you guys at FL – BBQ sauce, flbbqsauce.com. You need to go online, get the bundle, all four, try it out for yourself. That actually gets you a better deal and enjoy it. And speaking of Chef G, I'm supposed to meet Chef G tomorrow morning for breakfast. So definitely want to thank Chef G. Continued success. Really love the barbecue sauce. I'm glad you tried them all. Did you get a chance to try the heat wave yet? That was the only one that I, I'm a little bit uh, nervous about. Um, <laughs> the name Heat Wave kind of, and 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 I think part of that had to do with you know last week, and I kind of had hinted at this earlier in the show. Last week we went out and played uh, 18 holes. Um, well, I guess in my case it was 17 holes and a and a tee shot on an 18th hole. Um, <laughs> and I I tell you what, carrying your clubs and forgetting to bring enough water and also forgetting to put on sunscreen is not a combination in May in Florida. So uh, heat wave was probably something I was already, uh, you know, a little bit on my brain at that point. So I tried three out of four, um, but they're all great. I, I know that for a fact. I know my kids tried and my wife tried the heat wave as well. So they all, all, all four of them are, are, are definitely loved and we absolutely love it. And I, you mentioned the, the, um, the honey mustard. I love that too. That was great stuff. Um, as we had grilled out some chicken here, um, 
they had grilled some chicken here over the uh, over the past weekend or earlier in the week rather, and it was just absolutely great to add it on there. So yeah, this is great stuff. So you guys support Chef G, and the heat wave, you know, it's it's spicy. It it definitely has some kick to it. So if you don't like uh, spicy food, you know, it it definitely is is brought up a notch. That's why I love it on the chicken. The chicken is the best when you cook it. But try it out yourself, guys. You know, it's really delicious stuff. See what works best for you. And you'll enjoy it. You'll definitely uh, enjoy the, the barbecue sauce. Perfect. Well, great show again, everyone. I want to thank you for listening in. And we will be back with you, of course, uh, next week uh, with some more great content. Everybody have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Evan and Aaron Sports Talk Podcast. Subscribe and check us out on your favorite social media platform. Thank you.